Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello, Raider Nation, and welcome to another edition of the Believe in Raiders podcast, the Believe Podcast Network. I'm Dennis Sackler, pleased to be joined by former Raider great Stanford Route. Stan, I cannot believe I'm saying this. The Raiders are in the playoffs after I would argue it was the game of the season in the NFL, a white-knuckle, thrilling overtime win over the L.A. Chargers, and the silver and black advanced to the postseason for the first time since 2016. Stan, the Raiders have made this improbable playoff run by winning four in a row by a combined 12 points. So first <laughs> off, let's go to the Charger game. What are your takeaways from that one? Man, uh, my takeaways from that one are obviously a lot of resiliency, obviously being able to uh, handle adversity and being able to stand up tall in the big moment. That's number one. Number two, I would say the defense, the secondary, they definitely have to close games out better. They got to make sure that they finish well down the stretch. There's no excuse for Joe, uh, I'm sorry, not Joe Burrow, for Justin Herbert to come back from being down 14 to 29 with about four and a half minutes left to go on the game, throwing those two touchdown passes that he threw. One was on fourth down. I'm sorry, both were on fourth down, I believe. And like, and it just seemed like there was no contest. Like it was an easy catch for Mike Williams on the second one. I forgot who it was on the first one. I believe it's like a tight end Jared or something. Cook. Yeah, so uh, ex- exactly. You know what I mean? And we all know Jared Cook, great player. I yep. uh, love watching him play. But uh, like I said, there needs to be like, – it just can't be that easy. That, that's number one. Derek Carr is able to go ahead and give you a 15-point cushion, a 15-point lead. you got to bring that home defense. But nonetheless, definitely want, uh, want to go ahead and give a huge shout-out to Josh Jacobs for running very hard. He's the one that closed the game out because the defense did not do their part. Uh, Derek Carr making some, dip, some big timely throws while in certain situations. Uh, whenever he needed to. And I think just all in all, you could see from special teams to offense to defense, it was a great team victory. And it was a great, in my opinion, just a moral victory for so much that has happened throughout this season, losing your head coach. I believe this is the first team in history to actually have an interim head coach during the season and actually go on to, to make it to the playoffs after John Gruden's departure, the Henry Rugg situation, Damon Arnett, even Nate Hobbs, Nate Hobbs getting the DUI right after the Indianapolis Colts victory. It just goes to show that this team has been dealt blow after blow of adversity and has still found a way to stand tall after the way they got blasted by the Kansas City Chiefs both times at Arrowhead and at Allegiant Stadium. I thought the playoffs were just completely just you know, out of the stratosphere. And then all of a sudden, here they go. They got the Cleveland Browns. They win that game on a Monday night after the game was moved from uh, from Saturday. Then they go, they play the Denver Broncos. They beat the Denver Broncos. They get to the Indianapolis Colts. Jonathan Taylor, he's going to receive MVP votes. 
uh, if they would have made to the playoffs. And they go, they slow him down. They don't hold him under 100 yards. But nonetheless, they did a good job against him all game long for as much as Indianapolis feeds him. And then here you go. You got the grand finale, season finale against the Los Angeles Chargers, Justin Herbert, Pro Bowl quarterback, Keenan Allen, Pro Bowl receiver, Mike Williams, another great receiver, Cook, the great tight end, Austin Eckler, the do-it-all running back. And usually you would expect to see the Raiders find a way to blow it, find a way to just give that game away. And they were able to stand tall. So just and there were so many positive takeaways, some negatives as well, but so many positive takeaways uh, from watching that game. And then also, you know, you can't forget Max Crosby, AFC Defensive Player of the Week, uh, having a number of sacks, passes deflected, TFLs, just being in the backfield constantly over and over and over. And Gakwe, shout out to Phylon. Obviously, he's going to be on the shelf for the remainder of the playoff season. He was a big, big jolt to our defensive line as far as why they were able to get certain stops on fourth down. So we definitely will miss him. But like I said, so many takeaways from the game watching that. Uh, But nonetheless, I'm happy to say that the Las Vegas Raiders are 2021 playoff participants in the NFL. Yeah, I agree. So many storylines in this. And just I think the first one is the fortitude and the resiliency that this, this, this franchise has showed, as you mentioned, everything they dealt with off the field from the coaches to the players. You know, we pretty much wrote them off after they lost five of six. They were six and seven. And you and I were talking on this podcast. There's no way they're going to win four in a row because that's probably what they're going to have to do. And they have found a way to do it. And I think, as you mentioned, Josh Jacobs, he rushed for a career high 132 yards. He basically yep. brought the Raiders home, especially late in the fourth quarter uh, and then in overtime. And Stan, during his four-game winning streak, he's averaging nearly 95 yards a game. I mean, we've been critical of the ground game partly because Jacobs hasn't been healthy, but the offensive line hasn't done a very good job of uh, run blocking, but it's certainly improved during this winning streak. And Daniel Carlson, you got to give him a lot of credit as well. Oh, the yeah, no doubt Fifth game-winning field goal this season. Stan, he was 40 of 43 this year in field goal attempts. He hasn't missed one at home in two years. Now, I know the Raiders uh, will be on the road for the playoff game, but that's remarkable. I did not know he had not missed a field goal in two years yeah he has uh, not missed a, fo- a field goal in two years he has not missed a field goal at a legion, legion stadium. stadium i know it is yeah. absolutely remarkable you know six of their 10 wins this season have come on the last play of the game you know we were also you and i have talked about since about thanksgiving the raiders run game has improved dramatically and during this four game winning streak they've only given up an average of 78 yards on the ground and obviously you just talked about darius Phylon. he's going to be out but i think also in, in this goes more than stats. And I look at the leadership that Derek Carr has provided for this franchise since the beginning of the season. He's the face of the franchise now that John Gruden is no longer there. And, you know, his, his touchdown interception ratio, a little bit pedestrian this year, 23 touchdowns, 14 interceptions. Now, he did set the Raiders single uh, season passing records, throwing for more than 4,800 yards. But Stan, I just thought his leadership, being the face of the franchise, talking, you know, meeting the media, saying, you know what, I believe in this team. All blocking out all the outside noise. We know what goes on inside this building. You know, people said, oh, same old Derek. He said the same thing the last couple of years, but he has led them on and off the field. And, you know, sometimes he doesn't play particularly well during a game, but when it comes down to crunch time, he's been able to make the plays to get the Raiders these victories. And kudos to him. I mean, this is his eighth year in the league, and this is his first NFL playoff game. Back in 2016, Raider fans know mm-hmm. he didn't play because he had a broken ankle. So, Let's see how he performs on Saturday. But here's Raiders quarterback Derek Carr saying there's still loftier goals ahead. That's very nice. Um, 
honestly, all I'm thinking about is I'm excited. Think about the next team we got to play, and that everything hurts. You know, like once I think I can get some sleep and wake up in the morning, maybe it'll hit me then. But I just have this weird feeling in my heart, like you know, the job's not done. You know, we like like my favorite player, Kobe said, job's not done. You know, and uh, it does feel good. It's exciting. But I didn't. I don't set out to just make the playoffs. Although it's been, it's been since 2016, right? And I didn't even get to play. Um, but it feels cool. It's awesome. But you know, our goals. You know, this is one of them. But there was more after that too. So we're excited, and we got to play a team that already beat us. You know, so it's gonna be tough. Dan, let me ask you this: There was a lot of talk after that game. If that game would have ended in a tie between the Chargers and Raiders, both teams would have gone. And I don't think the Raiders are playing for a tie because if that's the case, that would have sent them to Kansas City. And we know how they fared against Kansas City. I mean, they've lost twice this year, I think, by a combined 89 to 23. Yeah. I think the Raiders want to beat Patrick Mahomes once. He's he's become the starting quarterback for the Kansas City Chiefs. So my belief was they were going to try to bleed that clock as much as possible, not leave the Chargers any time. Because as you mentioned, the Raiders hadn't been able to stop the Chargers. I think on the last three drives, the Chargers offense was able to score. So. I think the Raiders are going to try to bleed that clock and send Daniel Carlson out, even if it was like a 55-yard field goal. I mean, Carlson's still very accurate beyond 50 yards. I think that's the way the Raiders were approaching it. But Chargers called a timeout, and then right after that, Jacobs ripped off a 10-yard run. Yeah. Uh-huh. Carlson in good, good field position. He nails the game-winning field goal. But I still do not believe the Raiders were playing for a tie. I just don't. I think they're going to try <laughs> to win it. And if Carlson missed, Stan – and so be it, and then it ends in a tie. Well, yeah, I mean, like, I believe that too, but i tell you this, the, the last couple of plays right before the Brandon Staley timeout, because it just seemed like they were just sitting on the run, not trying to get the ball a little bit closer into uh, Carlson's comfortable field goal range, right. that's where I was starting to think, I was like, I think they're going to let this thing just go ahead and be a tie. There were, there were times I was thinking that because I'm like, if I'm trying to move the ball to get to, let's say, the 30-yard line, 35-yard line, you don't just want to have your all-star kicker kicking a 60-yarder. Even though he can make sure. it, you don't, you right. don't want to put that, you don't want to put him in that type of a bind. So you want to get him into a comfortable area. Let's get the ball to about the 30-yard line. And now it's a 47-yarder. That's more of a chip shot, right. uh, a chip shot for him. So uh, so there were a few plays before the stately timeout where I was skeptical. I was skeptical, but then when I saw the uh, the run right after the timeout with Josh Jacobs, then they go, they call timeout. They try Daniel Carson out there. He kicks the game winner, and I'm like, okay, so you know what? I wasn't completely off my rocker. But for a few plays there, it did seem like they were perfectly content with allowing the game to be a tie. Doesn't mean they wanted to, right. but it just seemed like they perfectly were. Uh, they were perfectly content. Uh, once they got the ball and they're moving and they now get the ball up to about midfield, it just seems like the, the, the urgency was no longer there. And I'm just kind of like, okay, uh, guys, we still have an opportunity to go ahead and, you know, get in field goal range. But it just seemed like for a few plays, they were just perfectly content with allowing this game to be a tie. So who knows, uh, DA, like I said, unless you're anybody in that locker room, you probably never will know the actual truth unless you're Rich Bisaccia's head. Uh, but nonetheless, like you said, they pulled out the victory and uh, I'm all for it because I definitely did not want to just see them sit on the ball and allow it to be a tie. If it winds up being a tie because you got two heavyweights going at it and nobody's got uh, nobody's got the lead when the clock is zero, zero, zero. Then you know what? That's football. But to just go ahead and allow it to be a tie, 
that's just something that just doesn't sit right with my spirit. So let me ask you this real quick before we move on. As a former player, if you were in that game and let's just say the Raiders took a knee and didn't even attempt a field goal and let it end in a tie, how would you feel about that? I mean, obviously, I wouldn't just boycott the playoffs. No, like, obviously, we, right. we uh, like we just uh, we just qualified for the playoffs, but that would definitely leave a little bit of a sour taste in my mouth, okay. just because we didn't exactly earn it. Now, you know, let's hey, listen. You're already locked into the playoffs, and let's say you are trying to garner the number two seed or the number one seed or whatever, and you know the tie in the game would ensure that you get that first round by or you get that higher seed than what you than what you would have had if you would have lost. I get that. Like I understand that, but just to uh, but, be, but to be in a situation where you are in a win and you're in type of situation and certain teams lose like the Indianapolis Colts losing to the Jacksonville Jaguars, which now makes it a situation where if you tie, you both get into the uh, get into the big dance. I don't know, that just doesn't sit well in my spirit, in my soul, but nonetheless, I'm not going to boycott the playoffs just because I don't like how we snuck in, uh, but that would definitely be something that I would be thinking as I'm walking off the field that I didn't exactly earn it. It was kind of more so handed to me. Well, the Raiders will beat the Cincinnati Bengals on Saturday. That game is at 4.30 p.m. Eastern, and got a little trivia for you, Stan. I know I've been sending it out the last uh, couple podcasts. This one's a little bit different, not John Madden-related. The last time these two teams met in the playoffs, January 13th, 1991, AFC divisional round matchup in L.A. When the Raiders were based in L.A., the Raiders did win 20-10, to but also significant about this game, it was the last game Bo Jackson played in. He yep. was injured at the end of a run. And you know what, Sam? I was at that game. It was a beautiful day. It was like 75 degrees in January in L.A. And Bo was running down the right sideline. It just looked like a simple tackle. It might have... You know, in today's football, it even could have been called a force collar tackle, but it just looked like a simple tackle. And then you hear like, I don't even know when it came out that he suffered a serious hip injury on that play. You're like, oh my gosh, this guy was, and Stan, you can make the argument, he's one of the greatest athletes that we've seen. <laughs> no doubt you know, about it. Sport athletes <laughs> playing, you know, baseball and in the NFL, played for the Kansas City Royals and, and, and the Chicago White Sox, but uh, suffered a career ending hip injury, so. Did you have a chance? How much did you see him play either baseball or football? I saw him play a little bit. Uh, not a whole, whole lot, but I saw him play a little bit, uh, especially when it came to baseball, obviously the Kansas City Royals, uh, even the Chicago White Sox. Uh, not as much in football live, but uh, but definitely uh, was able to go ahead and watch him on the baseball diamond. Well, the Raiders are a five-and-a-half-point underdog on Saturday, and the over-under is 49. Bet Online would like to wish you a happy new betting year as we continue our march to the playoffs and beyond. Bet Online remains the number one spot for all the best sports wagering action for 2022. New year and a new updated desktop and mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code BLEAVE to get started. From football, basketball, hockey, boxing, and UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for 2022. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to wager all your favorite sports. Bet online, where the game starts. All right, Stan, let's you and I focus on this game. Uh, these two teams met earlier this year. The Bengals winning in Vegas. It was 32 to 13. The game was actually a little bit closer to that, and then Cincinnati uh, pulled away at the end. A rematch for the Raiders, trying to 
obviously an opportunity for them to get some vengeance and advance to the second round of the playoffs. What are you looking at as some of the keys for the Raiders this time around, Stan? Oh, well, for one, they got to be able to pressure Burrow. That's number one. I think they're going to have to also go ahead and make sure that not only do they pressure him, they're going to have to put him on his back. And I say that because I'm not sure that the secondary can just man-to-man or just one-on-one be able to stop to uh, T. Higgins and Jamar Chase. Uh, obviously, uh, two of the young up-and-coming receivers, Jamar Chase going to the Pro Bowl as a rookie, setting a single-season Bengals franchise record, breaking Chad Johnson. So definitely shout-out to him. I enjoyed watching him at LSU and obviously uh, his rookie year. They're going to have to pressure Burrow. That's number one. I think that the run game for the Raiders is going to have to be big. It's going to be inclement weather. It's going to be cold. So they're going to have to lean on Josh Jacobs. And I think that if they are able to get a lead, which I believe that they can, they're going to have to make sure that the back end, the secondary, the defense, they're going to have to make sure that they can hold a lead because Derek Carr may not be able to get you a 15-point lead. It's going to be cold, rainy, inclement weather. It's Cincinnati in January. Go ahead and just take a guess. The defense is going to have to make sure that they stop Joe Burrow, they stop T. Higgins, they stop Jamar Chase, and you stop Joe Mixon. I think everything uh, is ran through the offense, or should I say the offensive line and the run game of the Bengals to set up the pass. So it's definitely going to be an uphill battle for this team. I don't see any reason why they cannot do it. But as far as the defense goes, if Derek Hart gets you a lead, you have to hold that lead and keep that lead. Well, I looked up the stat. And I was really surprised by this. The Bengals have allowed 55 sacks this season, and that's one of the worst in the NFL. I was kind of surprised by that. But, Stan, I feel like that bodes well for the Raiders. I mean, obviously, passing is his team's strength. But how much do they think they're going to put the ball in the air in inclement weather? It's supposed to be in Cincinnati. I think it's supposed to be in the upper teens, maybe low teens. I don't know about snow. But you think we'll see a little bit maybe more of Joe Mixon And you and I have talked about this. The Raiders' run defense has been much better uh, as of late. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely been better pretty much ever since Thanksgiving against the Dallas Cowboys, in my opinion. But I think that also, even though it's going to be in the teens, uh, as long as it's not snowing, I still see Cincinnati being able to put the ball in the air at least a decent amount of time. Maybe not 50 times, maybe not 40, but a decent enough amount of time to allow the receivers to get going. And that's where it's going to be incumbent upon that secondary to make sure that they hold up against the T. Higgins of the world. Make sure they hold up against the Jamar Chase of the world. People like that. So, yes, they're still going to be able to put the ball in the air a certain amount. But I do believe that they're going to run on the they're going to lean on the run game heavily in this game. So the Raiders are going to have to make sure that they stop the run. It's like what you said they've been doing pretty much over the last month and a half. And I think that right there will lead to being able to get pressure on a Joe Burrow, putting them in obvious passing situations, third and eight, third and nine, rather than a third and three, third and four, where they could possibly run the ball with their Pro Bowl running back in a Joe Mixon. So I think that uh, they're going to have to make sure that they do not have any mental errors. Everybody's going to have to be gap sound. Perryman, all those guys, hopefully he's going to be able to play. You know, he got banged up towards the end of the game against the Chargers on Sunday night. They are going to have to make sure that they are fundamentally sound on all levels of the defense. Yeah, there is a chance that linebacker Nicholas Morrow could be back. He's missed the entire season, but he has been activated. Stan, let me ask you this. Burrow's in his second year. I think Jamar Chase is in his first year. Did they remind you of any kind of combination that you faced while you were in the league? I kind of have one idea, but I want to get your thoughts. You're talking about as far as young phenoms or just like just in general? In general. Oh, I mean, man, you don't have to go too far. I could uh, say uh, Carson Palmer, Chad Johnson. 
Okay. Uh, I know, obviously, Pac-Man has his own qualms about Andy Dalton, and a lot of people do, myself included. But remember, is a rookie. Andy Dalton led the Cincinnati Bengals to playoffs, along with the rookie A.J. Green, who went to the Pro Bowl. And right. then the second year, second-year player, Andy Dalton leads the Bengals to the playoffs. Second-year player, A.J. Green goes to the Pro Bowl again. I believe the first year A.J. Green didn't go to the Pro Bowl in his career was probably maybe two years ago, like in 2019 or 2018 or something like that. But he had like seven or straight, eight, eight, seven or eight straight years into his career going to the Pro Bowl. So those are those are two uh, combinations that come to mind right now. I'm pretty sure when you go ahead and start rattling off names, others will come to mind as well. But uh, but yeah, just right there, you got uh, Chad Johnson and uh, Carson Palmer, and then you got Andy Dalton and A.J. Green. You know what, Stan? I want to go to the other side of the ball, and, and you and I have talked about this before, but I, I think the Raiders really want to get the running game going for twofold. One, obviously, it sets up their pass. I also think it's going to keep that high-power bangle offense off the field if the Raiders can run the football uh, with Josh Jacobs, control the clock, and that gives the Raiders, obviously, a much better opportunity to win this game. Look, at I know you're a little critical of the Raiders' secondary, but Justin Herbert threw that ball stand 64 times, yes, and he only completed. And he only completed. I mean, I should say only. He completed barely over 50 percent. Completed yeah, like uh-huh. 34, and I I know he threw for almost 400. But I I thought the secondary did pretty good. I mean, Justin Herbert made some unbelievable throws. So I I don't know. I feel like the Raiders' defense will hold up on the back end. But let me ask you this: from the Raiders, in terms of running the football. They've been doing it successfully during this four-game winning streak. What are you seeing? Is it Josh Jacobs being more decisive uh, with his cuts? Is he seeing the holes better? Is the offensive line finally starting to open up some holes for him to run through, or is it a combination of all those? I think it's a combination. I think that Josh Jacobs probably getting back healthy, getting that bounce in his step. And then, obviously, you see that uh, uh, the offensive line is able to get penetration. They're able to get a push. I don't care how good of a running back you are. I don't care how great of a running back you are. If you do not get penetration by your offensive line and you are getting hit in the backfield or you're getting hit right there at the line of scrimmage, you're not going to do well. I don't care how good you are, how strong you are. So that, to me, right there has probably been the uh, the biggest issue is the offensive line getting penetration. And because Derek Carr is able to go ahead and make some good throws, the receiver is able to get open. That's causing the box to be a little bit lighter than a quarterback who they don't trust, a quarterback that they don't think can get the ball out and make some plays with his arm. So I think everything all works in unison. But uh, definitely the offensive line, you have to give them credit for the resurgence of the run game. All right, Stan, give me one key to this game. Oh, one key to this game. I would probably have to go with the trenches. The guys in the trenches on both sides of the ball, they are going to have to win. You're going to have to get penetration on the offensive line, penetration on the defensive line. That, to me, is where this game is going to be won. Inclement weather, like you just said, in the upper teens, Cincinnati, Ohio, middle of January. You're definitely not going to have 70 degrees and sunny. I can promise you on that. So uh, anytime you have those types of games in the playoffs, no less, it's all about the trenches, man. And you have to be able to win in the trenches. Obviously, the backs, the receivers, the cornerbacks, the safeties, they make everything look good. They're the ones that the fans really get, you know, crazy and euphoric over. But games are won and lost, just like the Super Bowl last year. Games are won and lost in the trenches, especially in the playoffs. Yeah, you talk about the trenches, and I think my key is if and it plays off of that, if they if the Raiders play well, uh, offensive line plays well, then I think that's going to open up holes for Josh Jacobs. I think Derek Carr is the key for the Raiders. I, I do. In the first game, he turned it over twice. 
threw for just over 200 yards. Uh, the Bengals' pass defense is one of the worst in the yes. NFL. It, you know, and Darren Waller, I know he came back and didn't have a particularly good game, but this will be his second game back. Uh, Zay Jones is playing so much better at wide receiver than Hunter Renfro is just a phenomenal. I think he's what the third, only the third rated receiver ever have over a hundred uh, catches in a season. And I don't care if it's a 17 game season. The guy is a phenomenal yes. player. He, he really is. No doubt about it. All right. We heard from Raiders quarterback, Derek Carr earlier. Here he is again on the rematch with the Cincinnati Bengals. I think uh, a lot of similarities between when we played the chargers the first time too is uh you know, the, the intensity that we need to bring. The, they, they came out and they have some really, really great players um, all over their defense um, and especially on offense, as everyone knows. But, um, you know, they're, they're, they're super talented, well-coached. Uh, you know, and I, I felt that, uh, you know, we didn't put our best foot forward. But at the same time, I don't want to take anything away from them because they beat us. And, uh, you know, they did a good job, uh, you know, stopping us and, um, you know, getting the ball from us and, and all those things. So for, uh, for myself always is, you know, you want to take care of the football, um, you know, while still staying aggressive, um, and all those good things. So, um, you know, they, you know, they, they beat us last time and, uh, you know, we know what kind of team they are because we played them and, uh, they're super good, super talented, uh, really well coached, like I said, and uh, it'll be an exciting challenge for us. All right, my man. Well, look at the Raiders, uh, is one of, a plethora of games. Can I say plethora of games this weekend? Yeah. Well, we got six. Six. Mm-hmm. So you want to uh, make some predictions? Yeah, let's do it. All right. We'll, we'll save the Raiders Bengals for last. We'll stay in the AFC. Let's do the AFC first. And a rematch. Buffalo at New England. And I got to believe Mac Jones is going to throw the ball more than three times. This one. Yeah, definitely. I think you're going to see definitely more than three throws. And I just, I, I don't know why, but I don't believe in the Buffalo Bills. Something about them this year, they've been too up and down. You saw them lose to the Jacksonville Jaguars for crying out loud. Uh, you see them, they played against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers several weeks ago, but it just seemed like they've been up and down. I mean, they lost to the Mac Jones-led New England Patriots on Monday Night Football at home where that quarterback only threw the ball three times. Like, come on. So uh, some something about the Bills, even though they got a great defense, I get it. Josh Allen is phenomenal. I just don't believe in the Buffalo Bills this season like I thought I would after what they did in the 2020 season. So I would go with the New England Patriots to pull out the upset. You know what, Stan? I'm with you. I just Bill Belichick, I'm just not going to bet against him. I know New England's on the road. I know it means they'd have to beat the Bills in Buffalo for a second time, but I'm not, I'm not going to bet against Belichick. I'm not. And I'm going to go with New England as well. Uh, New England is the sixth seed, and Buffalo is the three seed. All right, let's stay in the AFC and the Pittsburgh Steelers. Oh, the Raiders, a big thank you. So I hope all Steeler fans, if there's any listening to this, you better be thanking the Raiders because if the Raiders hadn't won, the Steelers would be out of the playoffs. But their gift is a trip to Kansas City. The Steelers got manhandled there earlier in the year. Stan, Steelers or Chiefs, who are you going with? I mean, come on. Uh, when you look at the uh, – <laughs> well, wait, saw- wait a I, Look, at I know, but we last week that what was uh, – Jackson was a 14-point underdog at home and they won. In yeah, I think it went a 12 and a half point on Yeah, I mean, we all saw the game uh, Christmas weekend, the Chiefs versus the Steelers at Arrowhead Stadium. I don't think it's going to be that much of a blowout. But unless T.J. Watt is able to go get some sack force fumbles, tip a pass in the air, Joe Hayden and Micah Fitzpatrick and those boys are able to get some turnovers early, I just don't see how Pittsburgh, with the way that they play on offense, Big Ben could very well be his last game of his career. And the way that they play on offense with all these short passes – I just don't see how they can pound for pound, play for play, keep up 
with the points that the Kansas City Chiefs are going to score. I just don't see that. Now, like I said, if it's a turnover game and they get some early and then all of a sudden they can get some momentum like that, hey, anything is possible. But sans that outcome, of, I'm sorry, sans those variables of being factored in, I just do not see how Pittsburgh can match the Kansas City Chiefs blow for blow, drive for drive. I don't either. I can't either. And uh, I'm not going to bet against Patrick Mahomes at home. I'm going with them on uh, probably the final swan song for Ben Roethlisberger. Probably not going to end on a good note for him, but going to go with the Chiefs at home. Chiefs are the number two seed. Steelers are the number seven seed in that one. All right, let's go over to the NFC and your favorite team growing up, the San Francisco 49ers and the Dallas Cowboys. That's a good old rivalry renewed. Yeah, from the 90s. Yep, absolutely. The game is in Big D, and uh, you're going to be sentimental here, Stan, go with your Niners, or <laughs> which way you lean? I, would, I don't know what it is, but some about those Niners, man, I, I just think they're a team that you don't want to see in the playoffs. They run the ball well. Kyle Shanahan, obviously, he's got a very exotic uh, way of his play calling. The defense being led by D'Amico Ryans, the defense coordinator, former Houston Texans linebacker. I just think that they're playing very well right now. They spotted the Los Angeles Rams 17 points last week and came back in overtime. I just think this team right here is battle-tested. The Dallas Cowboys, outside of their 6-0 and record against the NFC East, you look at how the Dallas Cowboys played against the AFC West, losing to the Chiefs, losing to the Raiders, losing to the Broncos, and barely beating the Los Angeles Chargers back in Week 2. This Dallas Cowboys team does not seem like they are really what you believe they are outside of when they're playing the NFC West or the Atlanta Falcons or the Minnesota Vikings, teams like that. So I think that um, I think to me, that's why I would give the edge to the San Francisco 49ers. I just think that run game, Debo Samuel, uh, George Kittle and the defense is going to be is more battle tested than the Dallas Cowboys right now. You know what, Stan? I'm with you. I think uh, Kyle Shanahan does a great job with the Niners, especially in the run game, as you mentioned. When you're on the road, what's a better way to demoralize another team, be able to run the ball down their throats, take the home crowd out of it? And I got to be honest with you, I do not trust Mike McCarthy, the Cowboys head coach. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) and that's another thing, you know, uh, when it comes down to coaching, uh, although Mike McCarthy has a Super Bowl ring, so you've got to give him his credit there. Uh, but I think Kyle Shanahan is just a better play caller. And I just think San Francisco right now is more battle-tested than the Dallas Cowboys. Well, Stan, we're three for three. I'm going with the Niners as well. All right. I think we'll probably agree on this one. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers and Tom Brady hosting the Philadelphia Eagles. Oh, wow. I think that right there is. Come on now. Tom Brady, <laughs> uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Like I said, I think if Philadelphia maybe get some turnovers, that Philadelphia can really lean on that run game. They have a chance to go ahead and kind of drown out the clock and win the time of possession battle, things like that. But I just don't see Philly having enough to be able to match up with Tampa Bay on offensively and defensively. So I would go ahead and go with the, uh, the GOAT, Tom Brady, to go ahead and uh, punch out the Philadelphia Eagles. I would agree. Stan, he's going to be the MVP at 44 years old. Yeah, there's a very, very good chance he is. Yes. <laughs> what? That is. He knew exactly what he was doing going to oh, the Bucks. My goodness. All they needed was quarterback. Yep. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. All right. First time we're going to have a playoff game on Monday night. NFC West matchup. Arizona Cardinals, L.A. Rams. I think this is an interesting one, Stan. It I is. This one could go either way. It really, really can. It's going to all come down to Stafford. That's what it's going to all come down to. Somebody who's never won a playoff game before, albeit Kyler Murray's never been in the playoffs before. And I just, I would, I, I would really call this one a pick em. But like I said, something about uh, the Los Angeles Rams with Matthew Stafford, I'm not sure. We see 
how he just played against the San Francisco 49ers and certain big name teams or should I'm sorry, good defenses down the stretch. I think Arizona is going to sneak this one out. I'm not sure how, but I feel like Arizona is going to sneak this one out. All right. So we're just going to be different on the last one. I I just think, I think the Rams are going to win. And the only reason why I'm picking the Rams stand is because they're at home. The interesting is the Cardinals have actually played better on the road than they do at home, but I'm still going to go with the Rams. I think Matthew Stafford's going to play well, and I think the Rams are going to squeak it out. I think it'll be a high-scoring game. I can see something like 30-27, to 27, even 34-31, to 31, but uh, I do see the Rams advancing. Do you like the Monday night football playoff format? I don't. I'm not a fan. I, I don't because somebody's going to be playing on Saturday. Right. You're like, you know, the following week, and I, I, unless – Roger Goodell, you go ahead and kind of, you know, do something with the schedule where you guarantee whoever wins the Rams or the Cardinals, you guarantee that they're going to be playing on Sunday the following week of the playoffs. I, 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 I don't like that at all. Just because, like, like I said, if somebody wants to play on Saturday, that's just one day shorter, man. Like, I believe when it's the playoffs, if you play on Saturday or uh, if I'm sorry, if you play on Sunday and then you play again on Saturday, hey, I get it. That's just kind of like a normal condensed week. But playing on Monday and then have to play on Saturday, I just think that's given a huge advantage to whoever the winner of that game is going to be playing. All right. Finally, Raiders at Bengals. Raiders five and a half point underdog Saturday, 4.30 p.m. Eastern. Dan, what are you thinking? Oh, man, I got to go with my heart right here. I think that somehow, someway, the Las Vegas Raiders are going to pull it out. Max Crosby is going to have a big game against Joe Burrow. They're going to find a way to slow down that uh, that offense by the Cincinnati Bengals. They do not have a good pass defense. So I think that uh, you're going to see Derek Carr be able to make some plays down the field, even though it's going to be inclement weather. So they're going to be leaning on Josh Jacobs much more uh, than uh, than one would expect. But I just have a feeling that somehow, someway, the Las Vegas Raiders are going to pull it out against these kids right now with Joe Burrow, second year, Jamar Chase, first year, T. Higgins. I forget exactly what year he's in, but I know he's under 25. Same thing for Joe Mixon. So uh, because Derek Carr is in his eighth year and Joe Burrow's in his second year, I have to believe that that is going to play a part in why Derek Carr is going to be better prepared and why he's going to be able to handle this playoff atmosphere better than a Joe Burrow. You know, Stan, the one thing that concerns me is, are the Raiders emotionally spent after these last four weeks? Because they've basically been playing playoff games. They already. better not be. You know, they better not be. I, so that that is a concern. Uh, you know, I'm not so concerned about they played Sunday night and they got to turn around and play Saturday and they got to fly across country at a different time zone. That It is a little bit of a concern, uh, just being emotionally spent. But I, I'm going to pick the Raiders as well. I don't. I picked them the last four weeks. Uh, they've somehow, we both have, and they've proved this uh, right every time. I'm going to go with them again. I think, it, once again, it's going to be a close game. Uh, as I say this every week, the Raiders never blow anybody out. I think the conditions are going to keep the game maybe a little bit low scoring. I'm thinking maybe 19-17, maybe even you know 20-17, maybe 23-20, something along those routes. But uh, I think the Raiders are going to find a way to get it done. I, I do. And uh, come Saturday night. We'll certainly have an answer. Yes, definitely will. Uh, can't wait, man. It's going to be a big day. Big it day. is. Can't believe we are talking Raider playoffs on our podcast and not, uh, and you know, it's, 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 it's nice. It's a good feeling, isn't it? Yes, it is. <laughs> yes, it is. I can't wait. All right, that's going to do it for another edition of the Believe in Raiders podcast presented by betonline.ag. For my partner, Stanford Route, I'm Dennis Ackerman. Both my friend, Stephen Morales, from 
my lips to God's ears. Thanks so much for listening. May all your punts find the coffin corner. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.